Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome everyone to episode number 55 from Delving into Islam podcast. This is your host, Wa'il, and it is a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a privilege that I'm able to talk to you about the religion of Islam and that we're able to explore the religion of Islam together. And thank you so much for all your questions and suggestions and your kind feedback. And speaking of which, if you have any questions or suggestions, please email me at delvingintoislam at gmail.com. Again, delvingintoislam at gmail.com. And I will get back to you as soon as possible, inshallah. And again, this is the whole purpose of the podcast, you know, to address people's, you know, misunderstandings or misinformation about Islam or confusion. So please, if you have anything, anything that you want to, you know, talk about regarding the religion of Islam, please do not hesitate to uh, to uh, email me and also uh, uh, this podcast is for everyone inshallah whether you are remotely curious about the religion of Islam or if you are studying Islam for some reason or if you are thinking about becoming a Muslim or if you just became a Muslim or if you are already a Muslim who just wants to learn more about you know their own religion uh, the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the religion of Islam inshallah this podcast is for you uh, again without uh, any further ado let's get right into today's topic and today's topic we will talk about the greatest miracle ever happened to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam after the miracle of the Quran so we have the greatest miracle ever that ever happened to any prophet is the miracle of the Quran. It trumps any other miracle that to happen to any other prophet, including our own prophet, the other miracles that happen. But comes second, when it comes to the Prophet ﷺ, the second most important miracle that took place after the Quran is the miracle of the Isra and Maraj, the night journey and the ascension to the heavens. So the Isra, the word, the word Isra means the night journey. And Mi'raj means, you know, ascension. And in this case, it's the ascension to the heavens. Now, this miracle took took place in one night. So over the course of one night, this miracle took place. But it's divided into two incidents. It's part one and part two. The so part one is the actual night journey, the miracle of the night journey, which is the Prophet ﷺ went from Mecca to Jerusalem in literally no time. And then the second part of the miracle uh, is the ascension from Jerusalem up to past the seven heavens, right? So uh, uh, today, inshallah, we will talk about the first part, part one, which is the night journey itself and how it took place and all these things and what did the Prophet ﷺ see and all the wisdoms, uh, you know, derived from uh, that uh, incident but before we uh, uh, get into you know get to the detail of the incident or to sp- speak about the incident itself there's a couple things that we need to clarify number one the word heavens um, uh, the word heavens it means it has two meanings the first meaning is the sky the first meaning is the sky. So when we say seven heavens, we mean seven skies. Sab'a samawat. Sama' in Arabic means sky. But it's also called as heaven. Not paradise. These are, this is too, like the word heavens could mean paradise. You know, Jannah could mean paradise. And it could mean sky. In today's context, we're talking about the seven skies that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had uh, built. Uh, not the actual paradise. 
right? So when we say ascension to the heavens, that doesn't mean ascending to the paradise. No, it means the seven skies that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had created. And sometimes the word heaven is, you know, uh, when we say we, we pray to Allah that we all go to heaven, that means paradise at this. But in, even in, in my podcast, I make that uh, uh, distinction clear. Uh, I separate between the two. Like when I always refer to Jannah, right, which is paradise, I always say paradise. You know, in English, I always say paradise. I don't say the word heaven just, you know, to eliminate the confusion. But again, it's good to know that sometimes the word heaven means sky. And it could also mean paradise. It depends on the context, and it will be, inshallah, easy. But in today's episode, or in in, the, in in today's incident, or the night of you know Isra and Ma'raj, when we say ascension to the uh, seven heavens, that means the seven skies that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala had created. Uh, also, that's the number one, the number one uh, item that we wanted to talk about. The second thing is we wanted to talk about is when did it take place. When did this incident, this miracle took place? This incident took place 10 years after the revelation. And scholars have differed over which month it took place, let alone the day. The reason why I'm mentioning this because I know certain people, uh, certain Muslims uh, uh, around the world celebrate the quote-unquote the night of the Isra and Maraj. The thing is, no one really knows when that night took place. Again, Scholars have differed over the month, you know, and and so, yeah, Uh, but we do know that it took place. What we know, as far as we know, is that it took place 10 years after the revelation. It was before the migration from Mecca to Medina, right? That's what we know about it. Now, uh, another thing that we need to know about is that uh, uh, there are a few things that uh, will happen during the, 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 the incident of the night journey. Uh, that have backstories from you know previous years and some thousands of years actually before. Um, so, for example, we need to talk about what is the well of Zamzam. A lot of people know that name. A lot of even non-Muslims actually know that name. It's a well in Saudi Arabia in, in the Haram in Mecca that you know people drink from when they do pilgrimage, when they do the Hajj, and it, it is a blessed water. That's, I mean, the general consensus or the general. Uh, knowledge or the common knowledge about this well is that it's a blessed water, it's significant in Islam, and that's it. But the story behind the well of Zamzam is that actually Prophet Abraham or Prophet Ibrahim, alayhi salatu salam, he was uh, uh, with his wife Hajar and his son uh, Ishmael or Ismail, and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded Prophet Ibrahim to do uh, to go fulfill his commands, to do do something for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, leaving his wife and his son in the middle of the desert. Now, I don't want to get in deep into the detail, but that was obviously a test for Prophet Abraham. Because if you, if, if, if you trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you know that Allah is directly commanding you to leave your family to do something. Now, this is a prophet. Right, so Allah Subhanahu wa Taala communicated with him. So Prophet Abraham knows this is a direct command from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So he right away left his family, you know, in the middle of the desert. But guess what? That was not cruel. That was the ultimate trust in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. He trusted that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala would protect his family and his family, because also that was a test for the wife Hajar. You know, she. She wasn't like, oh, don't you dare leave us. Or why would you leave us in the middle of the desert? She's like, go 
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect us. And that's called trusting in Allah. That's the full trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Can you imagine your husband or your spouse, your companion, your partner leaving you in the desert with a newborn, with a child? Most people would have gotten very upset. Not Hajar. She trusted that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would protect him and that's exactly what happened. They didn't have enough food. They didn't have enough water and it became, you know, really hot. The time had, you know, time, you know, long time had passed. Uh, she got very thirsty. The child got very thirsty and there was no more water. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's the, the, the ultimate repay right there. That's the reward right there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent angel Jibreel who came down and struck the ground with his wings. He struck the ground with his wing and a well just opened out in the middle of the desert. A well water started gushing out, you know, from, you know, the bottom of the, 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 the ground, right? A well basically opened and the water was kept on, you know, coming out of it. Hajar uh, was drinking, you know, there was a lot of, you know, uh, uh, basically that place became very sacred because the water in it was very blessed, you know, I mean, all water comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but that had its very significant, you know, uh, implication and very significant symbolism, you know, in the trust of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And actually, you know, everything around Hajar at the moment flourished because, you know, water and, you know, there was like plants and all these things. So things have changed. Subhanallah, in a second, things have changed because of the trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the greatest thing about this is that the well is still there. And guess what? Here's the miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Beside how it was created, also, it haven't dropped an ounce of water. You know, well, usually it's a finite uh, uh, source of water. They eventually deplete and, and they just, you know, become empty. Not the well of Zamzam. Everybody knows about this. It's a miracle. You know, the well of Zamzam is existing until now and it has water and the water never lessens. The level of water never drops in the well of Zamzam up until now. You literally can, if you go do Hajj, you literally can go there and drink from that water. Believe it or not, you can go drink from that water and you'll see. And that's from the time of Abraham, peace be upon him. Now, that's... The well of Zamzam, we'll get to it in our story. Another incident that took place before, you know, the incident of the night of years actually before, is when the Prophet ﷺ was four years old. When he was four years old, Angel Jibreel came to him. Now, that was way before he was a prophet, right? And he was playing, uh, uh, Prophet Muhammad ﷺ was praying with his friends. Again, you know, a little four years old. They're playing in the street. And then Angel Jibreel comes in, he took the form of a man, approached that kid, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, and of course everybody panicked, everybody ran away, he grabbed him and then he opened his chest and took out his heart. <clears throat> Prophet Muhammad was aware of this, he did not, you know, he was aware of this and it took place and uh, the reason why this happened is that Angel Jibreel took the heart of Prophet Muhammad and took out the black spot in the heart, threw it away, washed it, and put it back in place, and then stitched it back, and in, 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 of course, in a not in a humanly way, right? 
uh, and uh, the Prophet Sallam actually had the scar. Again, it was not painful. It was not a painful Prophet to the Prophet Sallam at all. He did not feel any type of pain, uh, but the scar itself, that the shape of you know the the, the stitches, it was there. Until the day he died, the marks were there. Now, uh, the reason why this happened is because every single human being is born, they have this uh, uh, black spot in them, which is basically the motivation to do evil, the motivation to do bad, the motivation to sin. And this is like a, a, a device, or you want to call it like a bridge between us and Satan and his followers, the Shayateen. The devils They actually Through that black spot They could communicate to us They could communicate to us uh, And whisper to us To do uh, evil deeds And, and bad deeds And uh, the Prophet ﷺ did You know Had that removed When he was young uh, When you are first born uh, uh, You're actually The first thing that a, a baby does When they're we, They just come out of the womb Is crying right and uh, subhanAllah, you know, crying is a good sign because that means the baby is live and well. But actually, you know, the crying, the Prophet said that the crying is actually the shaitan, the devil is poking the child of Adam out of hatred. And that poking also creates that black spot that they could communicate to you when you are older. And we have the example of like two people who actually were exempt from that poking, which is... Uh, Mary, Maryam, uh, 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 may be Allah pleased with her, and Prophet Isa or Jesus Christ, peace be upon him. These two, actually it's mentioned in the Quran, were exempt from the poking of the shaitan. Uh, uh, as you know, uh, the, their mother or the mother of Mary made the dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do so, you know, to keep her away, protect her from the shaitan, and that's exactly what happened. This is actually mentioned in the Quran. Also, uh, the Prophet had this removed from him when he was uh, four years old. Now, we got all of our prequels, if you might say. So the Prophet is actually the one narrating this narrating this incident. And he said he was sitting in his house one day, and then Jibreel came to him. So the roof of the house basically split open. Jibreel showed up and took him from his house to the Kaaba, right? To the Haram in, in Mecca still, uh, in front of, you know, the Kaaba where, you know, Muslims do the pilgrimage, uh, and uh, brought uh, in a place called the Hatim. It's literally by the Kaaba. And then uh, he brought a, a gold bowl. So there was a bowl made out of gold, and in it was that water of Zamzam. It sh again, it shows you how much that water is blessed, right? So he bought a, a so again, Jibreel brought a, a bowl of gold made out of gold, and in it there was the water of Zamzam. He put it on the side, and then he again for a second time opened the chest of the Prophet, وسلم, you know, assuming the same exact spot when he opened it when he was four years old. Um, and then took out his heart Now some might say Well didn't he take that black spot out well, What is he doing again That's was different And I'll tell you what, what was going on there He took out the heart Washed it in the water of Zemzem Right And then put it back in place And stitched it back in a miraculous way Now The reason why Jibreel did that A second time is to prepare the heart of the Prophet ﷺ for what he's about to see. Again, this night that's about to you know take place, 
whatever is going to happen to the Prophet ﷺ would drive normal people mad. Would drive normal people, you and me, normal, even the most believers, the most of the believers, the highest ranks of the believers would go mad from what they were about to see. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we, we again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I, have to, I, I need to stress this out as much as, because I don't want people to think why this all happening, why all these rituals, why all this. Allah likes his creation to follow certain protocols, even if there were angels, even if there were prophets. Allah could have easily created Prophet Muhammad without that black spot. But Allah wanted us to learn something. Allah wanted for his own wisdom a certain protocol, a certain you know method to take place. Same thing, Allah could have protected the Prophet ﷺ without washing his heart in the water of Zamzam, right? Allah's capable of literally anything that we could think of and anything that we might not even think of. Allah is capable of any. Allah is the one who says to something be and it becomes by just the word of Allah. So what stops Allah from boom, snapping his fingers, not even protecting the Prophet ﷺ from anything he would see and not make him go mad? Nothing, right? So why this all take place? Because Allah wants protocol to take place. Everything must be logical in its own sense. So we have things that are logical in our world, in, the, in, 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 in this world. And there are also other rules that the world of the unseen, which we call the world of you know the miracles, right? The world beyond this world, the world that we cannot see yet, the world of the angels, the world of the jinn, the world of you know the seven heavens. This is what we call the world of the unseen, right? And the, the day of judgment, all these things that we cannot see yet, right? Allah also has rules for the for for that world, the world of the unseen. So don't think because it's the world of the unseen and Allah is capable of anything, you know, then then anything goes. No, Allah puts rules on every single creation in every single world he creates. Just to, you know, put that case to rest. Because I've seen a lot of people like, why would Allah do this? Because Allah puts rules. Why do you have to be in your mother's womb for nine months and not five or not two weeks? To be, you know, grown and fully developed in two weeks. Why? It's Allah's protocol. I'll go back to the same point. When we Muslims make wudu while we're wearing socks, we know we know the ruling about that. When you wear your socks, when you already have wudu, you must have wudu to wear your socks. I mean, when you wear your socks on wudu, that means whenever you lose your wudu and you try to make wudu again, you don't have to wash your feet. You don't have to take off your socks. I mean, you can. I'm saying you don't have to if your socks pass your ankle. They have to pass your ankle, right? They, they can't be those like very short and, and low socks. Uh, the one by just your heel or whatever. No, they have to pass your actual ankle. And let's say, for example, and, I just, and I'm going to get into this really quick. Let's say I woke up in the morning, prayed Fajr, and wore my socks that are, you know, long, regular size socks, right? That, that are past my ankle. And I had to do it when I wore them, right? And then I go to work. And then I use the bathroom or whatever, you know, I lose my wudu and I want to pray Dhuhr time now, right? The noon prayer. Now I can pray, I, and this is from Allah's mercy, by the way. This is Allah's license to us. I can make wudu normally in, you know, in work. And this is what actually happens. Go to the work, in the work bathroom, right? And I do wudu, but I don't have to take off my socks and uh, rinse or, or wash my feet. 
Actually, I don't have to do that. Once I wore socks that passed my ankle, right? And I already was on the state of wudu when I did that. All I have to do when it comes to my feet is to wipe on top of the sock for both feet. That's it. Just wipe with your hands, wet hands, wipe on them. And it's as if you put your hand in uh, your feet in the sink to do the wudu. Literally. That's a license Allah given us that. Now, here's the thing. If everything must make sense, why do you have to wipe on the top, on top of the sock instead of the bottom? Isn't the bottom is the one that's kind of dirty that you need to wash? But no, you only wipe on the top of the sock. Why? Nobody asked that question because it's convenient to us. Right? It's very easy to just wipe on top of your sock. You don't have to go all the way to the bottom. Subhanallah. Everything, every, we can, if we think about everything, we're going to ask a question, why is this? Why we pray five times a day instead of six or seven? Why do we pray five times a day instead of four or three? Why did Allah, you know, make it five, not uh, two or not six or not seven? Because Allah decreed that it will be that way and Allah made, again, rules that we as creation have to abide by. So go back to, now I know it was a little bit of a tangent, but I just needed to get that idea out. Because I know a lot of uh, 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 people who are questioning the wisdom of Allah and those who are questioning Allah's existence in the first place, they ask all these quote-unquote logical questions. Why does it have to be nine months you know, for uh, a woman to get pregnant or to deliver her child? Or why does it have to be this way? Why do you have... Uh, because you'll never be satisfied. It's Allah's, number one, it's Allah's decree that it will be nine months. It's Allah's decree that, you know, uh, the, the, the week is seven days, right? Allah's decree, this is what Allah intended for the world. And this is what Allah intended as rules for us to abide by, right? So again, so back to the point. So the Prophet ﷺ had to go through the process and it shows us, another wisdom is, it shows us the significance of the event that is about to face the Prophet ﷺ. He's about to see something that's literally out of this world. So Allah makes him follow the rules to protect his own messenger. Allah makes him follow these uh, rules. Now, uh, so he washes his heart, puts it back into his chest. The Prophet ﷺ is fully aware, no pain there, nothing, you know, at all. And then uh, they're about to leave. Now, there was a transportation waiting for the Prophet ﷺ, an animal by the name of the Buraq. Now, this animal does not exist in our world. It's from a different world. You know, it's again from the world of the unseen that we talk about. Because what we believe in, there are two worlds. The world of the scene, which is this world that we see and, you know, touch and, you know, you can touch whatever in this world and you see it clearly. And there's the world of the unseen, the world of the angels, the jinn, uh, you know, certain things that exist, the seven heavens. These are things that we can never see and we will never see until at least the day we die. Right? So that animal is obviously not from this world. The Prophet says that he's not from this world. Right? And we'll get to actually he has... Very, very special abilities, that animal. But this animal, because again, there's a lot of misconceptions about this animal for those who know the story. Some people say it has wings. It does not have wings. This animal is literally in uh, the size of, um, it's it's smaller than a mule and larger than a donkey. So it's, it's a little bit smaller than a horse. 
So we clearly know that this is a very normal looking animal. Maybe the face looks like it's not from this world. Again, the Prophet didn't say that the animal looked like this. He was just describing this size. So we don't even know what the animal's face looks like. Is it something from this? Does it look like similar to something from this world? Or was completely something that we might not comprehend? We do not know. But what we know about this animal that it had, it was pure white. The color was pure white. So the Prophet ﷺ is about to get on the animal, but then the animal, you know, just jumps off. Again, what animals do when strangers are about to ride them is that they just, you know, they jump off, like, you know. And then Angel Jibreel, of course, was there. So he grabbed the the, the saddle, the harness of, of, of the, the, the saddle of the animal, and he said, woe to you. He was rebuking the animal. Don't you know who this man is? This is the best, most blessed man ever to ride you. Now, that tells us a lot of things. Number one, that this animal was ridden by maybe other people that we do not know about. Or maybe even other creatures not from this world. Again, from the context, from, for Jibreel to say this is the best human or the best man or the best you know, creation that ever ridden you. That shows you that there were more Writers, you know, different writers that we do not know of, whether they're from our world, whether they were humans or from a different world, we really do not know. There was no elaboration on this. And then when, when an angel Jibreel said what he said, uh, uh, the animal was, you know, calmed down and, you know, stopped acting uh, all crazy. Now, uh, the Prophet was, you know, writing on it and uh, the animal started to move towards Jerusalem. Now, we said that the journey was from Mecca to Jerusalem. So, the animal's destination was Jerusalem. Now, the Prophet ﷺ tells us something very, very interesting. That animal was insanely fast. The animal was insanely fast. That the animal would jump, right? So, when the animal jumps, now, we know the animal is a small animal. Again, it's a little bit, you know, smaller than a horse. So when the animal jumps, the Prophet say it puts its hoof, its feet, as far as the eye could see. Again, it makes one jump and it jumps as far as the eye can see, which we can assume a few miles ahead. You know, have you guys seen uh, 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 in, in the movies, The Hulk, how he jumps? You know, in the Marvel movies, for those of you who watch, you know, Marvel movies, you know, when you, when you see the Hulk makes that huge jump, very high jump, and he gets to, I know, beside the, the fact that the Hulk is not a real character, the Burak or this animal is real, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created it. So this even jumps further because you can't even like, it, again, it jumps as far as the eye could see, you know? So yeah, like I just trying to, I want you to, you know, imagine that very, very far and high jump that the animal, the Burak does. So of course, based on that speed and that high of a, of a jump, it will take no time for uh, uh, the, the Burak to reach Jerusalem from Mecca. Because like, you know, I think the destination from Mecca to Jerusalem is about like 770 miles or something like that. You know, it's uh, two different countries, you know, one in Saudi Arabia, one in Palestine, two different countries. Yet the animal got there in no time. And again, this is a miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the animal gets there 
the Prophet ﷺ is, you know, well uh, holding on to the animal. He gets there. And then they get to a place called Baytul Maqdis or the Aqsa that we know of right now. But here's the interesting part. That the building, the structure itself was not there at the time. It was still, it was still not built yet. Now, we, there's the old structure of Sulaiman, by the way. There's the old, you know, the, the, the temple or the, the, the Ma'bad that Sulaiman built in the place of the Aqsa, right? That was destroyed and... Uh, um, Basically, this area was used as a garbage disposal area uh, by the Roman emperor to send a message to the Jews because there was, you know, uh, oppression towards the Jews and he wanted to send them a message that your uh, religious, uh, you know, monuments or your religious uh, uh, sacred places mean nothing and they're nothing but a, uh, a big uh, garbage disposal area. That was a message, clear message to the Jews living there. Uh, uh, so at the time... It was literally, uh, uh, you know, uh, there was nothing. It was just the garbage laying down there. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, look at this, rebuilt the Aqsa that Solomon, Prophet Sulaiman built before, rebuilt it to the Prophet sallallahu Of course, again, it was in the world of the unseen. Only Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and other prophets, we'll talk about that in a second, were able to see, not the rest of the world. Again, there was something miraculous about this. Now, uh, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, he got there. He put uh, 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 the he put his uh, 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 the burak, the animal. You know, he uh, kind of put it in the animal post, right, uh, and tied it in the post so the animal wouldn't. Fly. Again, this is a clear indication that you know, and again. That shows that, you know, not just because, you know, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent that animal and it is the Prophet of Allah, then, you know, just leave the animal and, you know, Allah will, you know, guide the animal or keep it there. You have to take uh, in all the precautions. You have to seek the means. You know, the Prophet had to tie in the animal to the post, to the animal post. You know, that is related to, you know, the structure that was built that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala basically uh, recreated for Prophet Muhammad There is no such thing as, oh, you know, this whole thing is from the world of the unseen. That means Allah will take care of it regardless. No, there has to be rules. And that is actually a proof of what I just told you. There had to be, there has to be rules to be followed. You have to follow the rules that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had created, you know, tie in the animal so it does not run away. It's that simple. You know, it's still an animal at the end of the day. Now, the Prophet ﷺ walks into the Masjid al-Aqsa, right? The, 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 now, the, we, we would assume that the Masjid al-Aqsa was rebuilt from the world of the unseen as well. It's like, you know, the Masjid was there, but in another dimension, Right? Uh, so the Prophet walks into the masjid and then uh, 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 he sees all the prophets. Now he's told, you know, don't forget Jibreel was with the Prophet. You know, yeah, the Prophet was on the animal, but Jibreel got there. He's an angel, right? So we know that the angels are very fast. And again, these are the rules of Allah that angels could be very fast, like the jinn as well. So he got there, probably met him there, or he was, you know, with him. We don't have the detail of how they both got there. Were they like, you know, were Angel Jibreel flying next to him? Was he, we do not know the detail of how, but we know that when the Prophet walked into the masjid, Angel Jibreel was there with him. And basically he found out that these are all the prophets. He saw all the prophets around 124,000 
prophets that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had sent. You know, you guys need to know this. Around 124,000 prophets that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had sent mankind as prophets. From them, 300 and something uh, messengers. And we mentioned the difference before. Um, now, he goes and as soon as he walks into the masjid, uh, he prays two rakahs, tahiyatul masjid. Now, what are those two rakahs? Actually, Muslims, we do it right now when we walk into a masjid. All Muslims uh, are supposed to. Now, it's not mandatory, right? But it's very recommended. It's a sunnah from the Prophet ﷺ that you, as soon as you walk into a masjid and you have wudu, you pray two rakahs uh, as uh, we call the greeting of the masjid or tahiyatul masjid, uh, that you do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet ﷺ did that. He prayed two rakahs. Right, uh, and um, and as soon as he was done, he started telling us that he saw all the prophets praying as well. He was saying every single prophet he saw, Musa, Moses, Jesus, uh, and again, these are all spirits. These are the souls, and the sp if you would say the spirit world, uh, uh, except for Jesus Christ, because he's not dead. You have to always remember. Jesus Christ, whenever the Prophet saw him, whether he saw him now and then he will see him actually later in the journey of the ascension, he was physically there. He's not dead. There is no reason for his soul to be there when he's actually alive, right? Um, but he saw Moses and again, they were interacting with one another. They were talking to one another. And then uh, he was describing Prophet Ibrahim and he said, Prophet Ibrahim looked exactly like Prophet Muhammad. Again, we, uh, you, for those of you who don't remember, Prophet Muhammad is actually a descendant of Prophet Ibrahim. Uh, you know, he's literally family, right? Uh, and uh, uh, he's the great, great, great grandfather of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And uh, yeah, so uh, they were talking, you know, uh, about stuff. And then the time for the mandatory prayer came. So Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was told, uh, by Jibreel to lead the prayer and the Prophet ﷺ was the Imam he stood in the front you know uh, where the Imam stands and then all the prophets and messengers were behind him in a single line we're talking about 124,000 prophets standing in a single line single row right single row uh, uh, and of course again we said that the structure was built in the world of the unseen so there is you know, it's not strange that they're all standing in one row uh, following the Prophet ﷺ. There's a great symbolism here that the Prophet ﷺ is the leader. They're all blessed. We love all the prophets and messengers, but the Prophet ﷺ is the leader. And he was told by the Prophet, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he will be the leader of mankind, including the other prophets and messengers on the day of judgment. There's a hadith by the Prophet. He is the leader of mankind on the day of judgment. That's a status that was given to him by Allah because he is the final prophet. He's the one to preach the religion of Allah to the entire world, not just to a group of people. You know, like some people are claiming, right? So he is the leader of the prophets as well. So he leads them in salah. And also, there is done like the other thing that you take out of this. Is that every single prophet, you know, these uh, men that were sent by Allah, they all pray to Allah. Jesus prays to Allah. Moses prays to Allah. Abraham prays to Allah. You know, Joseph prays to Allah. Jonah, Yunus prays to Allah. All of them, Dawood, Sulaiman, all of the prophets, they all pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
while we're here fighting over you know religion and oh who prophet did you follow Jesus for versus Muhammad وسلم, versus Moses versus you know Ezra versus this they all pray to prophet to they all pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know they all pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we are <laughs> you know fighting uh, and, and, and competing with one another While all the prophets and messengers From different religions that were all sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Pray to one God Do not forget that And that's a great symbolism right here You know So the Prophet leads the prayer They pray uh, 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 they, they pray the mandatory prayer Which is I'm assuming Isha time right? Uh, the, the night prayer And then when they're done And they all know how to pray they're all commanded by Allah to know how to pray our prayer, the Muslim prayer, right? And then when they were done, uh, Angel Jibreel comes to the Prophet ﷺ with two bowls. One has wine and one has uh, uh, milk. And he comes to him and gives him both and says, choose for yourself and for the rest of the Muslims. Now, up until this point, wine or alcohol was not forbidden upon Muslims. It was not uh, uh, haram, right? So up until this point, it was not haram. So the Prophet ﷺ looks and then he chooses milk. And uh, Angel Jibreel looks at him and says, you made the right choice. Now, there's a huge wisdom behind this. Number one. When you talk about milk versus alcohol or versus wine, milk comes from pure animal, right? Milk comes from pure animal, like cow, goat, etc., right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says what in the Quran, in, in chapter Nahl, verse number 66, He says, From the filth and blood we extract pure milk for those who want to drink it. From the filth and blood, the, the, the body of an animal, basically, right? We extract pure milk, clean, filtered milk for those who want to drink it. While wine is fermented and corrupted by adding literally bacteria, it's not. It's far from being pure, right? It, it was a pure thing and then it was, you know, corrupted by adding bacteria to it and, you know, being fermented. Also, milk gives you benefit, gives your body nutrition and gives your body, you know, vitamins and has so many benefits, to the, to the human body, right? While wine does the complete opposite. It makes you mentally not there, number one. It could lead to disasters. It could lead into you doing something that's very, very reckless, very, very wrong, you know? So it's that simple, right? And there's a huge symbolism to make the right choice here. Now, after the Prophet ﷺ, you know, made the choice uh, and basically that concluded and, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals later on that uh, alcohol now is forbidden upon Muslims and even coming near it is forbidden about, upon Muslims uh, uh, not coming near it in terms of physically like for example trying to lingering around drinking you know going to bars every night or doing something that could lead you to drinking is forbidden uh, uh, you know serving it is forbidden uh, uh, like if you own a deli, or you, you, or if you're, you know, a waiter, you're not supposed to serve uh, to serve alcohol. It's forbidden. You're not supposed to sell it, nor serve it, uh, and of course drink it. Um, uh, also, uh, another thing is 
you know, uh, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from this incident tells you that milk and stuff that are pure are already uh, stuff that are based on our natural instinct or what we call the fitrah. Human beings are always inclined to their natural instinct, you know, to do good. But societies and upbringings change that. It changes our fitra. It changes our natural instinct. The natural instincts of any human is to worship a, one God, Allah. Islam is a fitra. But then it depends on, and we, we tackled this, uh, I remember a couple episodes ago, when we said that you are could be born in a non-Muslim uh, uh, family, in a non-Muslim society, but you're always, you have this thing inclined it's attracting you to the fitrah. It's attracting you to do the right thing, to worship the right Lord. The right way is just up to you. Do you resist it? Do you feel more inclined to follow the society and the culture and the ancestors and all your family members who are already in a different religion? Or you fight it to get the truth? We talked about this, uh, I think, two episodes ago or something like that, right? Now, uh, uh, after this was over, Prophet Muhammad Wasallam was taken by Jibreel to start their journey from Jerusalem to the seven heavens. So, uh, uh, and with that, we will conclude today's episode that we, inshallah, next episode, we will talk about what exactly happened while the Prophet ﷺ was, you know, uh, ascending with Jibreel to the seven heavens and all the uh, the miraculous things that took place there and all the stuff that the Prophet ﷺ saw. And again, uh, uh, thank you so much for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.